Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So glad you're here, and I want to take. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the Book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, Matthew, Mark, Joshua. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Joshua. And we're going to talk today about, I've titled this message, From the Heart to the Mouth to the Hand. From Heart to Mouth to Hand. But as we're turning over there, I had to share this with the earlier service, so I obviously have to share this with you too, so everybody can be in pain together. And Sunday school teacher was talking to her young classes. She was teaching them about the difference between right and wrong. She said, for example, children, if I were to stick my hand in the, the back pocket of a man and take his wallet and all of his money, what would I be? And little Johnny quickly raised his hand and she said, yes, Johnny. He said, you'd be his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. (laughs) Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 14. You ready for the word today? So it was, when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeraton. Now, Zeraton and Adam are somewhere between 18 to 20 miles north of this part right here. So the waters rolled way back, all right? So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Thank you, Father, for this time together with your people, Lord, and your presence. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's here, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that removes burdens and destroys yokes. We thank you, Lord, that nothing is impossible for those who will believe you. We thank you that you are on our side right now in this moment, in our situation, Lord, whatever difficulties your people may be facing today. Today, we understand and we remember again and remind ourselves, if God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Lord, that there is no barrier, that there is no obstacle that has the power over what you have promised us. To those who will simply take you at your word, enact that word in our lives, God, and to see it come to fruition, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now bless this time, bless this word. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ now to be upon all those who hear this word. And Lord, we thank you that we'll never be the same. We want to know you more right now. We want to experience more of you right now. We need your word and we need its power in our lives. And Lord, we welcome it to do what it does, to bring life to those who find it and health to all of our flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. From heart to hand, to mouth, I should say, to hand. The waters were rolled all the way back 
to Adam. And for you and I, what this means today is that Jesus Christ has rolled back all of our sins all the way, all the way back to Adam. Isn't that a glorious thought? All the way back to Adam. So that, that means that he wasn't only dying for our sins, but Jesus was dying for all men who ever had existed before or ever will exist. And I thank God for that. Aren't you glad he washed away all your sins? Huh? I mean, really did it. He really took care of the sin issue. And he got over his anger. David talked about, as Brian was reading this morning, David talked about that he, his anger is but for a moment or he's slow to anger. But my family, he got over his anger in Christ Jesus. He just got over it. He got over his anger. No longer is he angry at the world. God's not mad at the world. He's not mad at the world. God has reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. Thank God. So he's not an angry God up there just stewing, watching people going, ah, No, just one more time, one more time. He's not there fuming. He's not up there when you make a mistake and you come to him and you talk about that mistake and he's like, yeah, right. Okay, I've heard this before. That's not how he is. He's not like us. (laughs) He's not cynical. He's not rude. Huh? He believes what we say when we talk talk to him. Because he's a believer too. And he wants us to believe. To believe him. And love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. It bears all things. It doesn't take any account of wrongdoing. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. I mean, really, Jesus, he did take care of all of our sins in such a way that Isaiah describes it like this, that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Now, these are two different kinds of sin, all right? There's the transgression or the trespass, Right? That is, I experienced this a few years ago when I was deer hunting out in um, Junction, Texas, and a friend had some land there, and I was, this is my first time to be out on this piece of property, so I was taking my brother's word for directions, because he had been there. And so it was, he, he gave me some directions to go to this certain deer blind, and you got to go down this road, and you go up this road, and then, and then you'll see the tower blind there, and, and that's where you'll hunt from. So I thought, okay, so I thought I was doing what he told me to do. At least the way I understood it, you know what that's like every day, don't you, honey? (laughs) At least the way I understood it. And so sure enough, I come down this road and I see this tower blind, but between me and that tower blind is a fence. And I'm thinking, my brother didn't tell me about a fence being there. Oh, well, I I guess I have to cross a fence. So I cross over this fence. And I get up to this tower blind. I'm climbing up this thing, and I've got my backpack and my rifle, and I'm trying to make my way up this ladder. I finally get up there, and just as I get up to this door that has a window, I see a man peek out the, the, the window. I went, ah! Oh. He says, what are you doing? I said, well, I was told, I'm trying to hunt, you know, obviously, and uh, apparently I'm at the wrong place. He said, yes, you are. He said, I saw you cross that fence back there, and I'm thinking, this guy has a high-powered rifle, and he rightfully could have shot me right there on that property if he wanted to, and he didn't, thank God. And so I said, I don't, I don't know. So anyway, the game warden ends up coming out and uh, giving me a citation for trespassing, and it was a lot of fun. But, and it was accidental. I didn't even know, you know. It's, it doesn't matter. It's still the law. And Jesus, the scripture says that he was wounded for our transgressions. Those are those stumblings that happen in your life. Something happens and all of a sudden you're met with an opportunity right before you. You either cross that threshold, you either trespass and go where you shouldn't go, 
The opportunity arises. But then there's this other thing called iniquity, and that's what's happening on the inside. It's that calculated term of sinning, <laughs> right? You're not, you're, not, you're not stumbling into something. You're thinking about doing it and then carrying it out, all right? Which is a bit more sinister than just stumbling into something. It's a, you're premeditating this, and yet Jesus was bruised for our inside sins, the sins of the heart, the sins that are silent for a while. But he took care of the sins on the outside and the sins on the inside. Isn't that a marvelous thought? Bled on the outside, bled on the inside, so that every sin would be taken away from us. I thank God for that. That way we can't escape with this thought, well, um... The Lord, yeah, I mean, I thank God for his grace, but does he really know the real me? Because inside, I've got some stuff brewing. He took care of that. He took care of that. He knows the real you. <laughs> That's why he was bruised, too. So that the real you could actually change. And it has changed. If you're in Christ, you're a whole new creation. And get a good Amen. So he died on the cross, not only for yours and my sins, but all those who had died prior to. That's what gave Jesus rightful entrance when he died to actually go into hell itself. And he did do that. Jesus did go to hell, and there's a reason why he did. Not because, not because Jesus deserved hell, but because he had some work to do. And Jesus went there because there was a place known as Abraham's bosom, or what others may say, call it paradise. Either way, it's it doesn't exist anymore because it's no longer needed. Uh, now, we, now, through Jesus Christ, we all have access right into heaven when we die. Thank God, huh? But Abraham and those, of, those who had faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Samuel, you know, the great ones of the old covenant who had not experienced, didn't know Jesus like we know him, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ had not occurred yet, and so they, they died in faith. They were seeking that country whose builder and maker was God, that city whose builder and maker was God. They, they were putting their faith in a coming redeemer who would come and redeem them from their sins. That's why David was looking forward to our day and said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Yeah. All right? And he's talking about you. He's talking about your day. And he's saying, blessed are those people. And so, so Jesus came down there to this place called Abraham's bosom. And if you remember the story Jesus told about the rich man and his, his servant Lazarus, and Lazarus fell sick and, and went to Abraham's bosom because he was a believer. He had faith in God, and he went to this holding place. And, and the rich man later died and went into hell itself, the tormenting hell. And, and, and Jesus told this story. The rich man was calling over to Abraham saying, please, please give me some relief. Send Lazarus. He still thinks Lazarus is his servant. Isn't that interesting? Send Lazarus over here to put some water, get some water and, dip, and put, it, put it on my tongue just to give me some kind of relief from this torment. And Abraham's talking to this man. He says, even if we wanted to do that, we couldn't because there's a great chasm that's between us. So even though both of them were in hell in the sum total, but yet Abraham and these guys, they were not in tormenting hell. They were just in this holding place. Unfortunately, they had to view what was going on actually in hell. And so, but they were there and they were saved from fire, all right, in that way. <clears throat> and so Jesus came down and the scripture says that he brought them up. He led captivity captive. Those who had been waiting for their redeemer, praise God, the redeemer came to cash in, all right, and bring them out. But that's not the only place Jesus went. 
Interestingly enough, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we've talked about this before. I think it's, it's important that we remember this, though. It's so powerful because we need to understand exactly what Jesus' blood has done and how far back this blood covered. I mean, it went all the way back to the beginning, all the way to Adam. Look at this. For Christ also suffered once for sins. How many times? That's all he needed is that one sacrifice. One sacrifice. No longer to ever need to happen again. Once for all. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Next, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, if we stopped right there, we might think he's talking about Abraham and all these guys. But look, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were being saved through water. These are those who had died in the flood. All right? These are those who had perished. And the scripture says in verse, let's go back to 19. What did Jesus do? He went and preached to them. Now, my question is, what is Jesus preaching to the disobedient spirits? I mean, we understand that Abraham and these guys, yeah, we understand why he's coming for them, but what's the deal with this? What's the deal with the disobedient people, those who had rejected what is Jesus going to say to them? What is his sermon? I wish it would tell us. But I think, that we, I think that we can, just by looking at the whole of Scripture, can surmise what it must have been something like. I really doubt that Jesus was going, should have got on the boat, dummies. <laughs> I doubt he came down there and condemned them for their sins. I mean, what good is that going to do? They're already at the lowest place possible right? So he had to have been bringing something else. If Jesus is preaching in my family, we know what preaching does. We know what, what the right kind of preaching is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be a message of hope. What is he doing bringing hope? Jesus has a right to bring them hope, just like he had a right to bring Abraham and all those who believed in him hope. And that hope was that his blood rolled back their sins all the way to the beginning. So then, if that's true, then he has a right to make them his own. His blood has purchased the souls of every man, and he had every right to it because he died for all men. Amen. So then he has the right to come and say, I want you as my reward. Will you believe? How many of you reckon that probably most everybody there said, yeah, I believe that? Absolutely. So there's a very good chance that he emptied the entire place out. That's a marvelous thought. But he had a right to. And because he had died for them, they had a right to hear that message. Let me remind you today that the gospel that we preach is not a lifestyle. It is a message. It is words that we utter. Hallelujah. And these words are come from Paul. Paul the apostle says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Isn't that a marvelous thing? All the power is in that message. All that power to save is in that gospel. It's not my responsibility to save people. It's my responsibility to tell a gospel that saves people, to proclaim a message that will save people's lives. Amen. So that's all we are. We are seed sowers. All right. We sow the word. And then we let it do what it do. Amen. All of us needed to hear this glorious gospel. 
And the scripture teaches us something really powerful in Romans chapter 10. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Any whoever's here? Am I looking? I'm looking at a whole room full of whoever's here. Whoever calls. Isn't that a great invitation from God? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. And, and, and whoever believes this gospel will be saved. I love this. Whoever. I'm in that group. I'm in that group of whoever's. I'm separated from different, you know, uh, uh, factions of life and, and, and as far as the economic and status and all those kinds of things, but I am a whoever, and God's talking to me. And he says, whoever can believe this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Paul begins to reason this thing out. I love the way he, he words this in Romans 10. Um, verse 14, <clears throat> verse 14, how then, that's what it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of what? Peace. Who bring what tidings? Glad tidings of what kind of things? Good things. Man over at that one cause church. All they ever preach are feel good messages. Yeah, it's called the gospel. Amen. Let me ask you what, what, what a message of peace, what glad tidings and good things, how's that supposed to make you feel? Glad tidings of good things. Glad tidings of good things. So, all right, so let, now let's go, let's go the other way, all right? So Paul kind of took us the roundabout route from, from, from backwards, backwards to front. And so now we're going to start at this place where it says, how will they preach unless they're sent? That's you. You know you're all preachers here? If you're a Christian, you're a preacher. Yeah. Whether you get paid to do it or not. So if you preach, then they hear. If they hear, then they can believe. If they believe, then they'll call on him. If they'll call on him, they'll be saved. See how beautiful this is? All right, so now we just preach. What is this gospel? What's the gospel? I don't know what the gospel is. The gospel is, the gospel is, remember, let me just give you the gospel in one word. It's Jesus. If you, in case you just blank. And you want to tell somebody, the God, Jesus, just start with Jesus. That's a good place to start. All right, he is it. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. You got a three-point sermon right there, all right? Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again from the dead. There it is. Christ died what? Christ died for your sins. He was buried for what? He was buried for our sins. He rose again. He rose again for your sins. There it is. Well, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I always, every time I get an opportunity, I just kind of get, I don't know what to say. I feel like I, I, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to, hey, listen. There was a man in, in uh, years ago, and I told this story in greater detail this morning, and I think I bored him, so I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> so there was a man by the name of Frank Jenner who was, uh, <clears throat> who was part of the Australian Royal Navy, and um, he was uh, discharged after World War II, 
Um, but in 1937, right before, no, 1939, right before that, he, had, he, was, walking, he was in Melbourne, Australia, uh, and, and he heard this guy preaching on the, the street called Collins Street there, and, and this guy was preaching the gospel. And so uh, Frank hears him and ends up, these guys bring him to his house, and to their house, and he gets saved. And so apparently this, these preachers were some kind of hellfire and brimstone kind of preachers, all right? So his message then, like, he got so excited about this, so he goes home and tells his wife, you are going to hell if you don't know Jesus. you got to know Jesus, or you're going to go straight to hell. I mean, she's like, and so she freaks out. She thinks he's lost his mind. She even takes their daughter, and she moves out. But this doesn't persuade him. I mean, he, he, he talks to her brothers, um, and, and you can read some of this account online. It's really fine. There's lots of good details to the story. But he, he, he gets, tries to get her brothers to get saved. Tell them, you got you to gotta know Jesus or you're going to go straight to hell, guys. Well, he made them all mad. And at one time when they were, they were talking, they ended up in, in a fist fight. And so he was a bit combative in the way that he presented the gospel. But he was determined he was so grateful after he got out of the Navy. He was so grateful to God for, for that he was saved that he made a determination within himself. He committed to tell 10 people every day the gospel. And so he was in Sydney, Australia at this point and on this street called George Street. Y'all know where George Street? Do you know where George? Okay. George Street. And um, we have some Aussies here. So um, George Street. And, and he would... And he would well, let me just at least read this part because I get this right. This is something that Frank would say to everybody <clears throat> that he encountered. He would ask this question. If you died within 24 hours, where would you be in eternity, heaven or hell? And this became known amongst those that are, that are around there as the Frank Jenner question. And he, and he told everybody this. For 28 years, every day, Frank Jenner was out there on George Street asking people that question. And some people would, would listen a little longer and, and make a commitment to Christ. Uh, others, maybe a little later on, many of them mocked him. Many of them rejected him. Many of them you know, wrote him off. Many ignored him, walked off, didn't do anything about it. But still, he was so grateful to God that he was determined to tell as many people as he could about Jesus. 28 years. And his story became so popular because of another man by the name of Francis Dixon, who was a pastor in England. And Francis Dixon got interested. He began to investigate this guy, Frank Jenner, because his youth pastor had gotten saved when he was in Australia. And he, he said, some guy on George Street there told me, asked me this question. And, and, and so then he ended up getting saved and, and now is this guy's youth pastor. So, so then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, then, then, oh, then they go to a Bible school conference, him and his youth pastor, and they meet another guy by the name of Stanton who uh, told this story, gave his testimony, and his testimony was that he was in Sydney, Australia on George Street, and this guy asked him the Jenner question. So as Francis Dixon is traveling around, he has two, uh, I mean, he has two other guys, British soldiers, come to his church at two different times, and both of them have a very similar story about this guy in Australia on George Street, Sydney, that's asking this question. If you were to die within 24 hours, would you go to heaven or hell? So he got curious about it, and he ended up going to Australia himself and taking his wife, and they were preaching in some churches around there. 
And while they were preaching in some churches, one or two other stories, testimonies happened about this guy, Frank Jenner. So finally, he ends up in Sydney, and he's going to try to find Frank Jenner. And so he talks to this guy who's head of uh, uh, Crusaders for Christ and says, do you know this guy? Have you heard this story? The guy said, I'm familiar with him. As a matter of fact, I know where he lives, and if you'll, I, can, I can show you where it is. And so it ends up, finally, Francis Dixon is at Frank Jenner's front door, knocks on the door. <clears throat> Frank comes to the door. Now, Frank is now sick. He's actually not able to go out and, and witness as he'd done before because he has Parkinson's disease as well as some other debilitating uh, issues. And so... He uh, invites him into his house, and then Francis Dixon sets down and tells Frank Jenner about the stories that he has heard about him. Now, he didn't even know until he got to Sydney that what Frank Jenner's name was. He just heard about some man on George Street. But now here he is telling him, and Frank Jenner sat there and listened, and in all those 28 years that he had told people about Jesus, faithfully, every day, he had never heard one instance where any of them actually became a Christian unless they did right there with him or ever even lived the Christian life. And Francis Dixon said that Frank Jenner wept and wept as he realized the effect that he had had. He had no idea. And even when Francis Dixon went back home, not only did he hear more stories at home, but he also in Cumbria, in India, and Jamaica he heard the Frank Jenner story time and time again. And, and so much so that he himself personally heard about 10 instances from people around the world that had been affected by that man on George Street in Sydney, Australia. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I don't necessarily recommend Frank Jenner's tactics, but it's hard to deny the fruit. But I, this, is, this story convinces me of something. There really is no wrong way to tell people about Jesus. Because God Amen. loves people. Yeah. And he just wants somebody that's willing. Even though Frank might not have had all the right words to say, don't you know his heart was for God? Yeah. And so God took that and used it for his glory. Right. And saw many come into the kingdom because of somebody who was just willing to say it. Right. Somebody who was just willing to share the news. Amen. So uh, let me just encourage you. And, and, and listen, you don't need formal training to do this. Matter of fact, sometimes it's better <laughs> that you don't have the formal training to preach this glorious gospel. Just a willingness to do it. And it starts really with your experience first. Your story is the most important story that you can tell someone. Your own personal experience where you came to know Christ and what God has done in your life. Amen. It's a marvelous thing. Because the person with an argument is always at the mercy of the one with the experience. Let me challenge you as I did the earlier service today. I want to challenge you this week. Determine to tell one. Huh? One. One person. This message. Just one. You might get addicted to it. I'm not saying you don't ever do it. I'm just saying determine this week. And pray. Say, Lord, show me. But be ready because he will, because he loves people that much. And they're walking by us all the time. I'm telling you, they're walking by us all the time. They're, hurt. they're hurting, they're needy, they're desperate. And just because they got a smile on their face, that, don't, that ain't the whole story. Hmm? 
It, it, is, it is a hurting world. Let me just tell you something that happened to me some time ago. Um, I was going through the parking lot over uh, by Starbucks on Harden, and there's a grocery store there. I don't remember what the grocery store is called now, but it used to be called Tom Thumb. Hmm? Sunfresh. 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 So I, was, I just got my coffee from Starbucks, which is in the plaza there with, the, with uh, Sunfresh, and I was, so I was running across, I mean, I was driving across the front of the store in the parking lot, and as I am, this young girl, she couldn't be more than 18 years old, and she's pushing a whole row of baskets, and it's hot outside, and as I'm driving, I'm, I'm look, I look over at her, I'm like, oh, poor thing, like, I'm, where are the guys at? Anyway, well, it's a woman's world now. <laughs> so she's pushing, she's pushing these baskets. And I mean, just as quickly as I, as I saw her, the Lord spoke to me and said, tell that girl I love her. And I went, you know, all this is happening very fast, but I'm going to slow it down for you, all right? Because then my next thought was, well, Lord, first of all, was that you? And I know it was because I know when you're talking to me and uh, I need to stop pretending like I don't know. But I know, I know that you, but Lord, you know what this looks like when a grown man is driving in his pickup and he rolls down his window to get a young girl's attention, you understand that that's not, that's, that's not acceptable in our society today. It's bad enough even friending somebody that age on Facebook. I mean, you're already like near creeper. I don't, I don't know. I, I... And so even though I'm trying to explain to God how this, this is not a good idea, he's not... He's not moved by that at all. He's not convinced of my argument, and he doesn't even say anything else to me. I just keep hearing those words ring in my head. Tell that girl that I love her. So I said, okay. So I rolled down my window, and I said, uh, excuse me, can, can I talk to you for a second? And uh, so she pushed her, her, her baskets all the way up toward the front of my truck, and, and she walked over to me. I said, I'm really sorry to bother you. I said, but I got to tell you something extremely important. I said, I was heading toward this parking lot, down this parking lot. And I said, I saw you and the Lord, I, the Lord spoke to me and he told me to tell you that he loves you. Feeling like an idiot saying all of this. <laughs> and this girl broke down and began to weep. Immediately. Began to weep. And then she, she rushed off to her, to her car, and she just said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, just weeping. I was like, whoa, what was that about? And he didn't give me any more instruction. I just told her what I needed to tell her. I didn't try to make a moment there, you know, and go, so does this mean something to you? Just, what's going on here? If the Lord had told me to do that, that's fine, but he didn't, I just said, just tell her I love her. That's all you need to tell her. I don't know what this girl's going through. I don't need to know. You don't need to know. Even when people respond angrily at you by, by you shoving Jesus down their throat, and most of the time that happens because you're being nice to them that day and they know you're a Christian, so they'll try to put their defense up. Don't cram that Jesus stuff down. My, I didn't even say Jesus. What are you talking about? Right? There are those that, that feel like that because they have their defense up. Hey, you can't worry about whether they get angry, whether they don't respond, whether, you know, what, whatever. We just deliver the message, all right? So this week, just, just determine in your heart that you're going you're gonna to share this message. And remember, it's not, the gospel is not a lifestyle. It's a message, all right? Now, we want to live by the gospel and live and represent the gospel well, but it's words. 
It's words that we must declare so that men can hear it, believe it, and call on him. Can I get a good amen? Amen. All right. I'm almost through. And I stress almost. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 3 for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Now, thank the Lord. He's rolled our sins all the way back to Adam, and he has brought all of us into the promised land, the land of promise. Now, he has put his kingdom in our hearts, but we're not in the kingdom yet. The kingdom is yet to come when Jesus Christ himself will come and he will establish his kingdom on the earth. So we are agents of his kingdom in that sense, in the spirit. But right now, until that happens, until his kingdom manifests in the earth, he's given us this book called the Bible, and it's full of his promises for us to get a hold of and to achieve and to access and live out in our lives. Amen. I love this. This is a, this is a new covenant, and this new covenant is based upon, the scripture says, upon promises. Now, the old covenant was based upon principle, and the principle means that if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you will pay badly, bigly, largely. You're going, it's bad. It's bad. You do bad, get bad, do good, get good. Is that clear enough? All right, so this is the law. This is the principle of the law. As I was telling the earlier service, you didn't, when you got married, how many of you are married here today? All right, when you stood up there on that, at that day in front of all your friends and family and or that whoever, Elvis in Vegas, I don't know who you, where you got married, but you were standing there with them. You made these vows to one another. You didn't threaten one another, right? You, you don't. If you don't forsake all those and keep yourself under me, I'm coming after you. I'm not only coming after you, I'm coming after your family. I'm going to kill every one of them. I'm going to burn all their houses down. No, you didn't make threats. You made promises to one another, right? And this new covenant, this new covenant that we have is based on promise, not principle. And you're glad for that, I promise you. Not principles. Look at this, Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Now the Greek, the literal Greek translation is a bit stronger than this. It literally says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse, the law. From the curse, the law, which means the law was a curse. And that cause of the curse was sin. So Jesus redeemed us from the law. See, because if we think it's just about a result of the law or the curse of the law, then we'll think, okay, he redeemed us from the curse, but we still have to keep the law. No, no, no. No, he redeemed us from the law. Yeah. All right, the law was the problem. Paul said it was. He said, it's the strength of sin. He said, when the law came, sin revived and I died. What does the law tell you? The law says, don't do this. And what do you say? I'm going to do that since you said don't do it. I, don't act like you're all holy here today. I mean, I mean, you are holy, but you know. Don't act like you don't live in that flesh. That's all I'm saying. That flesh, Paul said, I didn't even know. I didn't even know not to covet until I read the words, you shall not covet. And then I went, I want to covet now. What, what, what are you hiding, God? Right? No, no, no. This new covenant, though, he's redeemed us from that. Thank the Lord. From the law. As a matter of fact, I like the way uh, 
uh, Colossians says it, that he has taken the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to, to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Amen. All right? So he, he took that upon him. He became a curse. Thank you, Lord. Not the curse of the law, but the curse of the law. And so he removed the curse, and he removed the cause of that curse, which was sin itself. These priests, verse 17, I'm going to finish with this verse. Verse 17 of 3, uh, Joshua 3. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on the dry ground. We'll talk about that ark of the covenant for a moment. Most of you know what the ark of the covenant was, maybe? All right. The ark of the covenant was, this is where God lived, a gold box that he lived in. All right, and 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 they and wherever the, they went, they carried the presence of God with them in this golden box. But it also had these three things in it, these three elements in it. All right, it had the tablets or the the Ten Commandments that was written on stone. It also had the showbread from the temple, and it, uh, I mean not I mean not showbread. It had manna. I'm sorry, the pot of manna, which was bread, and it had um, Aaron's rod. All right. All, all three of these things have to do with the Word of God. The law, written and engraved on stones, represents for us today the written Word. All right. The bread or the manna which came down from heaven, Jesus said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. So we have the written Word and now we have the person of the Word. And then they had Aaron's rod that budded and that that rod represents Aaron's preaching authority. We have the preaching of the word, the written word, the person of the word. All of these things in this Ark of the Covenant. So when the word of God, before the people, when the word of God came into that water, this is powerful, the barrier went whoop. And they crossed right over into their promise. There is no barrier. All barriers will give way to you who will get the word of God in your heart and get it in your mouth and declare it and enact upon it, uh, uh, invoke its, its power in your life and in your situation. And there is no barrier that can stand a chance against his living word. And it takes the promise from the heart to the mouth to the hand. To your hand. Where you are living in it. You've possessed that promise for yourself. It has manifested. It has materialized. It has put on flesh. Hallelujah. And that's something I pray for you on a constant basis. That you would live in the realities of God's promises. Live in their reality. These, These promises aren't wishful thinking. This is life for us. Amen. And if God promised it, it's sure. He's not only a promise giver, he's a promise keeper. When you believe God's promise and you confess his promise, then you will see his promise manifest in your life. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 